Chapter 2, How Addiction Affects the Brain. The quote for this chapter is from Galileo Galilei. All truths are easy to understand once they are discovered. The point is to discover them. Hi, this is Charlie Kester again with Chapter 2 from The Little Book of Addiction. The title of Chapter 2 is A Disease, Not a Choice. We're starting with a quote from Galileo Galilei. All truths are easy to understand once they are discovered. The point is to discover them. For those with a loved one whose alcohol or drug use is destroying their life and the lives of those around them, why is the big question. Why do they do these things to themselves and their family? Why? When they have been given every opportunity, when they're loved, when they have so much potential, why do they squander so much and destroy their lives? Why, when they promise to change, to cut down, to stop, to be better, to do better, do they continue to fail? Now, people generally look at alcoholism and addiction in one of three ways. First, that it is caused by poor choices, proximity to alcohol or drugs, circumstance, or flawed character. The second way is that alcoholism addiction is a disease, but it's caused by one or more of the above. Third, that alcoholism addiction is a genetically inherited progressive physical illness, and people that suffer from it have other problems, many as a result of the illness. If a person had a brain tumor that changed the way that they thought, felt, and acted, how would they be viewed? If that were the case, and the way that they functioned continued to worsen, people who loved them would stop at nothing to make sure they got the best medical attention available. There are many similarities with addiction and that tumor. As is the case with the brain tumor, without proper care, behavior will continue to worsen, and the disease will ultimately prove fatal. You see, it's not about underlying problems. Everybody has problems, but not everybody is an addict. The fact that alcoholism addiction hijacks the brain of the afflicted person, altering the way they think, feel, and act, explains the unexplainable. It explains why the person acts like somebody who just doesn't care, somebody you don't know. It explains why they seemingly have no ability to plan and no apparent sense of responsibility. Only when the actions of the alcoholic are viewed through this lens, that blends with the, of the disease, is it that they can begin to make sense. As beliefs around a person's behavior change, actions towards that person will change as well. It will be understood that they're not a bad person who needs to get good. They're a sick person who needs help getting well. Okay, so it's a disease. But how could they ever decide to do something so stupid? Nobody possessed of a clear and functioning brain would choose to run into a crack house with their children asleep outside in the car. Nobody would choose to drink a bottle of hairspray for the alcohol. Nobody would choose to sleep or plan to sleep under a bridge. Seldom would a 14 or 16 year old trying their first beer decide that they could not wait to drop out of school, become addicted to heroin or cocaine, and destroy their future. Rare is the individual who would steal from a family member, from their mom, from their grandmother, to get a fix. So why is it that people do these things? The answer lies in the brain. See, the brain contains over 100 billion neurons, all of which work together in a delicately balanced symphony. Neurons are brain cells that process and transmit information by electrochemical signaling. Messages regarding external stimuli, emotion, muscle command, and other sensory cues are sent along from one neuron across a synaptic gap to the next neuron. Some neurons have direct contact with as many as 10,000 adjacent neurons. 
Billions of neurons are involved in every thought or action we undertake, no matter how simple. Regular use of mood-altering drugs upsets the delicate balance our brain strives to maintain. Three layers of brain. The human brain developed over millions of years. Each of the three layers that comprises the organ having developed as humans evolved and required higher functioning for survival. The three layers are described below. The first layer to develop was the brainstem or reptile brain. The brainstem is located at the base of the brain, caps the spinal cord and helps control basic attention, arousal and consciousness. It's more combative than cooperative. The second layer of brain to develop is the limbic system or animal brain. This regulates the fight or flight neurochemicals, basic decision making and sexual arousal. It stores memories that trigger strong emotions, but can cloud and distort perceptions of ordinary experiences. This layer's development allows animals to read each other. The final layer to develop is the cerebral cortex or higher brain. This is the largest wrinkled outer layer of the brain. It's the part of the brain we picture when you picture a brain. It's responsible for attention, perception, awareness, conscious thought, and language. It's associated with organizing, problem-solving, attention, planning, decision-making, and a number of more complex cognitive functions, including behavior and emotion. The functions that make up the personality are initiated here. In short, the frontal lobe is the portion of the brain that makes us who we are. Coincidentally, the portion of the brain most severely affected by alcohol and drugs are the frontal lobes in the cerebral cortex. When overstimulated by drugs, the dopamine system in the frontal lobes of the cerebral cortex begin to shut down, leaving the limbic system, the animal brain, in charge. Now, the idea of trying something different, more intense, looks quite appealing to the animal brain. Usually this happens as the addict begins hanging around people who drink or use the way they do, i.e. more often than their old friends. These same people are the ones who will introduce them to new drugs, usually when the addict is drunk or high and their inhibitions are low. Even if they decline the first time a drug is offered, chances are that the animal brain will decide to give it a, give it a whirl when asked in the future. Remember, addiction attacks the brain above all other organs. This means the organ that tells your loved one how to think, feel, and act does not work properly. The brain of the person you care about, once they're addicted, has been hijacked. The person you love is no longer there. With the limbic system in charge, the addiction has free reign to steadily progress, free reign to destroy organs like the liver, the heart, and pancreas. It has free reign to cause malnutrition and diseases like cancer, AIDS, and hepatitis, just to name a few. Once activated, the disease can only get worse, destroying lives along the way until the person afflicted by it is helped into recovery or dies from it. There are no alternatives. Once the disease process is activated, deciding whether or not to use a drug is no longer an option for the addict acting on his own. While drug use was once an activity to bring about pleasure, at some point the progression of the disease and the discomfort of withdrawal has made drug use about avoiding pain. Additionally, brain imaging studies have shown that addiction severely alters brain areas critical to decision-making, learning, memory, and behavior control. We stated earlier that the portion of the brain most severely affected by alcohol and other drugs are the frontal lobes in the cerebral cortex. When overstimulated by drugs, the dopamine system in the frontal lobes 
begin to shut down, leaving the limbic system in charge. Increase in tolerance. People who drink or use drugs all start for one reason or another, because it looked like fun, they wanted to fit in, they thought it would taste good, they wanted to be cool, they wanted to dull a trauma that they experienced in the past, they wanted to stop the pain of some other experience. But at some point, the alcoholic addict begins drinking or using more and more often, which leads to an increase in tolerance. Increase in tolerance means the body requires more and more of the drug to achieve the same effect, whether that be pleasurable or physical relief. What used to be drinking or smoking pot at weekend parties may extend to having a drink or a hit before the event. Wine with the girls may turn into solitary drinking of a bottle or more. At some point, morning drinking or use will begin as the alcoholic, the addict, seeks relief from the previous night's festivities or use. Soon after this, they'll begin to plan their day around drinking and using. Teens and addiction. Dr. Anna Childress of the University of Pennsylvania describes a stop and go mechanism in the brain. The go system is the primal older part of the brain that responds to pleasure and pain, the mesolimbic reward system. The stop system is located in the frontal lobes of the brain and helps manage our impulses towards immediate reward. The frontal lobes of adolescents, however, continue to develop into their 20s so that their initial re reaction to alcohol and drugs, while when pleasurable, is often not interrupted by the voice of reason. If the predisposition to addiction is present, the disease, which in adults can take decades to manifest, may then develop instantly. The disease is the same for adults, but its physical, behavioral, and spiritual consequences come on much more quickly and with more frightening consequences. Inside the alcoholic's body. In a normal drinker, the liver uses a two-step process to remove alcohol from the body. The first step is to break down the alcohol into a very toxic chemical called acetaldehyde. The liver quickly and efficiently then breaks down acetaldehyde into the harmless chemical acetate, which is basically vinegar, and flushes it out of the body. In the alcoholic's liver, the same level of alcohol produces a much higher level of the harmful acetaldehyde. Making matters worse, the alcoholic's liver is only half as efficient at breaking the acetaldehyde down into acetate, which again, the chemical the body can pass. This leaves the harmful acetaldehyde in the body for a far longer period. Finally, due to the alcoholic's increased tolerance to alcohol, an ever-increasing amount of the harmful chemical acetaldehyde must be stored. This substance is stored in the fat, including the fat that makes up the brain. Here's some of the dangers of having acetaldehyde in the body. It weakens the synthesis of proteins by the heart and other muscles, weakening them. In the brain, it competes with neurotransmitters and wins, interfering with the proper function of the brain. Withdrawal symptoms are heightened, prompting the next drink, and can act like opiates, contributing to addiction to alcohol. Previously stored acetaldehyde weakens the cell's ability to process that chemical into acetate, keeping the acetaldehyde in the system still longer. Over months and years and decades of drinking, alcohol affects the functioning of the brain a great deal, causing mood and personality changes. It overwhelms the liver and kidneys, destroying the lining of the stomach and weakens the heart muscle. Making matters worse, the body begins denying itself nutrient-rich foods, 
which the cells need to rebuild themselves in favor of the quick sugar fix supplied by the alcohol molecule. Adding to the problems caused by the alcohol is the addict's ever-increasing tolerance. In a cruel twist, tolerance not only grows, but as drugs destroy the central nervous system and digestive system, tolerance ultimately will lessen. This means that in the end stages of the disease of alcoholism, the body of the person who is used to drinking tremendous amounts of vodka or smoking a great deal of another drug, one day finds their body simply cannot process the drug. The amount that for years produced the desired high becomes a potentially lethal dose. Many in the chronic stage of addiction have died due to an overdose caused by an amount that their body was previously capable of handling. Additionally, when the drug leaves the addict system and the withdrawal process begins, this leads to the addict feeling worse and worse. Thus agitated, they almost always return to use. This agitation is why people mistakenly think that outside events, circumstance, or the feelings themselves cause the addiction. Cross-addiction. Why switching drugs or mixing drugs doesn't work. Once alcoholism addiction is activated in a person, the same devastating life effects will be clear whichever mood-altering drug they choose. Once addicted to alcohol, one cannot simply switch to just marijuana and avoid the internal and external damage caused by the disease. Likewise, a person switching from cocaine to whiskey or whiskey to beer may enjoy a temporary respite from the negative effects of mood-altering substances, but this period will be short-lived. Keeping it simple, a drug is a drug is a drug. Adding to the danger, mixing drugs exponentially increases their potency. Three pills and three drinks does not create the same reaction in the brain as would six pills or six drinks. The exponential effect means that this combination of drugs is the equivalent of nine pills, or even more. Combining drugs has many times proven fatal, with autopsies all too often revealing different drugs in the body of the person who's overdosed. What's the good news here? Well, the good news regarding all this physical devastation is that the human body possesses amazing recuperative powers. In all but the most chronic late-stage cases, Organs heal and personalities return. Miracles of healing happen with such frequency in recovery that they amaze even doctors familiar with this disease and recovery. In all but a few instances, family members can get their loved ones back. Dr. Robert Bales, internist and addictionologist says, what happens during treatment is amazing. There is no other area in medicine where such a dramatic change in a person's physical condition takes place over such a short period of time. That is the end of chapter two, and I hope you guys stick around for chapter three. Thank you for listening. There are more podcasts, much more information, and access to help at www.withyouandforyou.com.